Welcome to the Round 22 Supercoach Coach Podcast. I'm Marcus and joined this week again by FB Tonky. Welcome back. G'day, mate. Great to be here. I did consider not turning up after the weekend's results. Thought about avoiding it, but I am here to front the uh, shame that I brought upon my family by letting you get about 70 points in front. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, taking the rightful crown. I'm a bit nervous. You have two trends? Uh, yeah, I do have two trades. Yeah. And I have none. And, uh, we've been waiting to record this podcast episode because we're wanting to see what happened out of the tribunal. And it has just come in two minutes ago, Patrick Cripps suspended for the two weeks. It has been upheld. Seems like the right call to me. No, no, <laughs> not from a super coach perspective, because I don't want to have to trade him out. Not because you know you have zero trades, just it seems like the right call. He, he knocked someone out, basically. So, yeah, I think it's the right precedent to set. Yeah, it's different precedent from Willie, but anyway, we won't get into that because I think there's some disagreement even between that. I definitely am one-eyed at the moment because uh, I don't have trades, but luckily I have a spare premium. So we'll see whether or not I can hang on to the 70-point lead, Mark. Alrighty. This episode, we've got some special contents. JP, who moved from second into first overall in the Supercoach competition, is joining us for a little bonus uh, interview down the line, telling us a little bit about his season, some of the decisions that he's made, how it feels to be right at the top at the pointy end of the season. Uh, so we will cut to that in a little bit. We didn't record it all at once, but uh, we'll cut to that in a little bit. Super exciting to have him on because it's that time where you're two weeks away. You're like you're you're almost willing to start celebrating or enjoying the the sense of being a number one, but still so so nervous as well with those two weeks to go. Um, and JP is a old time member of the Supercoach communities. Like he's been around for a while and he's been playing the game, and we love to see that. For sure. All right. Before we get into the content, which is basically going to be that little chat with JP and Patrick Cripps and what to do with him, let's just read out our scores so that you can have the knife put in one more time. What was your actual score for the week? 24-13, which uh, is pretty terrible. I actually dropped outside the top 2,000 for the first time in a few weeks. Um, my unique Daniel Rich didn't really... Live up to expectations coming back. I did get Clayton Oliver right as vice-captain, but then Rory Led matched him. My Zach Merritt pick that's been the main reason I've been doing well for the last five or six weeks was tagged out of the game and only got 71. Andy Brayshaw a bit below par. Sean Darcy, only 59, sucked. And I had Tim Taranto out, covered by Luke Jackson as well. So a few things just didn't go right on the weekend. Probably a bigger weekend for things to go right this week, given it's prelim week. So... The timing wasn't terrible, um, and I'm probably pumped for a bigger week this week. Nice. I scored 25-10, which was reasonable score, pushed me up into the top 2,000, so sitting 17-89 now. And as you've been telling me for weeks, the cutoff between good coach and bad coach uh, is the 2K bucks. So I'm uh, glad to be part of the club and uh, glad to see you kicked out. <laughs> I, uh, sorry, I did get some communique from Supercoach during the week, and they did say that line had been moved back to two and a half thousand. 
Uh, all right, in our uh, Super Coach Coach groups, top scorer for the week, Cyrilicious, 27.40. What? 27 this week? That is crazy. That's a round rank of fifth. So congratulations to Cyrilicious on a huge week. And in our Patreon group, top score there was Graham's team, Blues1970 with a 26.13. So congratulations to those two, uh, especially to Cyrilicious. That's a ludicrous score. Uh, overall, <laughs> ludicrous is a good word. In terms of our overall leaders for the comps, Tyler's team, Shep Screamers, sitting in at 16th, hoping for a cash finish. And in our Patreon group, Jimmy's team, Hungry Heracross, sitting at 17th. Let's get into the show. Shall we kick off with Patrick Cripps and then we'll cut to the chat after? Sounds good. The news right. of the week. The news of the week. Uh, we were basically saying that we weren't too sure what we were going to talk about if that got thrown out. So I guess it's good from that point of view. Hellbent 21. Content creating for our shows. <laughs> uh, Hellbent 21, one of our longtime listeners, best replacement for Crips. And I guess there's a few different rungs to look at, but maybe as a starting point, best replacement for Crips if you don't have cash. Yeah, that sucks because that is me. That sucks so much. It's a real tricky one and because there's a couple of players above Crips that are quite appealing. Um, I actually have the top six highest value players in my team, and then it's, you've got a couple of under that I would like to get in, but if you don't have any money, you're into the, I mean, if you don't have Jack McRae, he's the obvious one, but you're into Luke Davies, Uniac, Chad Warner, Angus Brayshaw, Tom Mitchell, is he like a potential player? Um, Cam Guthrie, Travis Bowe, Josh Kelly, potentially. And then you're into the sub 500,000s where I guess Ollie Wines is, and maybe Bailey Smith are the standouts under there. So. There's really not a lot going for you under Patrick Cripps price. And I think it's a really, really tricky week. Um, is there a standout there for you, Marcus? Does run have to come into it at this stage? Absolutely. You've got two weeks. It's the smallest sample size. You literally run has a huge impact on who you pick, I think. So any teams in particular that you would try and pick from? Geelong probably stand yeah. out in terms of Gold Coast, West Coast? Yeah, 100% Geelong do, but Geelong, they just don't really have standout scorers except for bloody Tommy Hawkins, who you brought in a few weeks ago. He's been doing pretty well. Yeah, and realistically, like, it's hard to say that North have a good draw regardless of who they played. Like, they could play the under-12s local team and it still might not be considered a good draw, but they are playing Adelaide and Gold Coast, so that's pretty good as well. Um, it's probably not quite as good as Gold Coast and West Coast from a Geelong perspective. Yeah, Guthrie would have to be the pick there, I think, if you're looking for... He will um, draw. Has he got that yeah. ceiling this year, though? Like, his start to the season was so slow. Has he got that? Because, I mean, last year he was, like, a, a genuine premium option, but is he still that player? Has he still got that same role of the Cats this year? So, between round 10 to 17, 124, 126, 101, 115, 109, 134, 119, and then hit uh, three sub tons in the last four weeks. So uh, like you, you've got two rounds though, that you need them for. So I don't 
think is a slam dunk, but none of these options that are cheaper generally going to be that slam dunk. Sydney's another one um, that's interesting. They've got Collingwood and St. Kilda, both of which give up points to midfielders in recent weeks. Yep. So it's not an obviously amazing draw because you're playing against two teams that are, well, St. Kilda might not be a chance by around 23, but they're really fighting for finals. So it's definitely not going to be easy games. And probably the high side, like if you really need to take a risk on a player, Chad Warner probably stands out from that group. So uh, his last six weeks has had five scores over 100, including two over 140. So has had those big games recently and uh, got tagged out of what the only one that he got below 100. So yeah, Chad Warner would definitely come into considerations given the draw that they have and his upside. Bit of a gamble there. And then probably the last one on run, Bulldogs have GWS and Hawthorne. And I think GWS in recent weeks have been the easiest team to score against in the midfield. Uh, and Except for Hawthorne the have been okay as well. So realistically from the Bulldogs, most people would have anyone like Dunkley's and McRae's. And so you're really looking at Bailey Smith there. And I know that you brought him in a couple of weeks ago. His scoring hasn't been great, but hasn't been terrible either. Do you think he's a is a realistic option because like he does get plenty of the ball it's a little bit of a lottery picking the bulldogs but yeah his upside potential is definitely there a big discount if you have two trades and you can use the extra cash that might be extra tempting if you don't yeah. have mccray at 544 he hasn't yeah. been in the best form but considering the run he's probably got to be up there yeah i think he has to be number one and but i assume that everyone other than cj who's regularly on this podcast, actually has McRae. So I think for me, the player that stands out is probably Luke Davies Uniaki. I know that you're picking a North player, so it's not great, but is anyone really going to be tagging a North midfielder too much? I know that Essendon did uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's just because Caldwell was in really good tagging form. But like, if you look at his scores from... Round 12, 109, 138, 88, 124, 149, 110, 104, the 68 against the Bombers, and then 119, and he plays Adelaide and Gold Coast to come. So it's pretty hard to make an argument against that. I guess he scored 109 and 88 against Adelaide in his previous fixtures against them this year, but he does seem to be the number one midfielder for North and has a good draw, good role. Was he in your considerations? Yeah, I think Warner and LDU are the two I would pick if you didn't have the cash. Okay, th- ahead, should of, throw... ahead of Guthrie. Yeah. Okay. The form's much better. And I don't really know what Geelong are going to do in the final two games because they're probably in tune-up phase, which means that I don't know if Guthrie's nursing anything or if they're wanting to trial a couple of players before we finalize the team for the final series. Just don't really know what's going to happen there. Travis Boak, he's only had four scores below 100 since round 11, and they were all in the 90s. Been super, super consistent since then. He has Essendon and Adelaide. Like, that's as good a draw as any of the other teams, I think. He's, although Essendon are in Melbourne, is he a player we should have in higher consideration against, like, an LDU? Yeah, I'd probably have him third. Just the form hasn't been that impressive. Like, his downside's not being that bad, but he hasn't scored above 112 since round eight yeah and he did start off the season super super hot with three big scores but then um hasn't yet quite dominated the game since then and you're probably too worried about 
GWS's form and their draw of Bulldogs Fremantle to really consider Josh Kelly. Correct. That's fair. I so think I Kelly think... also reduced the amount of center bounce attendances he played on the weekend against Essendon. So I don't know what GWS are doing there in the finish. He is contracted. There are other uncontracted players that they might be trying to convince to stay there. I don't know if that's influencing things. They've got Hopper and Cornelio playing together on the weekend. I think that was might have been the first time that they'd played together this season or in the last few weeks. And Taranto's still out and he's not going to play this week either. But um, it is interesting that Kelly was pushed out of that midfield mix. So what if you have a little bit extra cash? I mean, for people who don't have Brayshaw, he seems a bit obvious. And like, he's only 1900 bucks more. So most people should have wow. him as an option. I already have Brayshaw, so that does not help me. And I do have $2,300 though. So that does mean that he would have been in my area of being able to pick. Brayshaw, it's, he's so tricky. It's, the part that concerns me is that he could get tagged uh, against GWS because he still is the guy that gets tagged the first for Fremantle. Weirdly, like he's doing so well in the coaches' votes and, and like one of the best players of the season having so many great games, but he's just not translating it into super coach points. He's having so many games where he'll get 120 Dream Team and 93 Supercoach. He's just had having a few turnovers, really, especially early in games. It's meaning like he's, he's so good at running out games, but he's just so far behind the eight ball by quarter time that it's really, really hard for him to push it out. I think he had like a massive, massive score in the last couple of rounds last year. And it would be nice to see that again have as an owner. So he does have that potential to just put in a, like a really ginormous score, uh, like 180 plus. But I just haven't seen that from Brayshaw much this year. He, he just doesn't seem to be dominating Supercoach like you would expect, given how much impact he has in games and how good a player he is. I think he's a fair bit of a gamble, even for 1900 more. With that said, I'd pick him way ahead of LDU. Yeah, yeah, I think he's the obvious selection in that sort of price range. We had a question from Scott Wakefield. He's got 565 to be able to make the trade, and so he's asking yeah. if is Parish the obvious one there. So. Parish yeah. versus Brayshaw, and maybe the only other one to chuck in there is Jordan Dawson. Yeah, at 100%. Yeah, and I think that Adelaide still have pretty good draw to come, so their players would be in consideration, and Dawson versus Brayshaw would actually be a lot closer than people might imagine, but you'd probably have Brayshaw ahead. Huma Cluggage, I guess, is a potential player, but mainly been doing better at Dream Team than he has Supercoach this season. Uh, I think, though, if you have 565, Parrish is insanely obvious. Has missed games, so there's some injury threat with him. But, like, he came in 120 on the weekend. Do see him as, like, yeah. I mean, he's one of the elite midfielders, potentially, like, scoring-wise anyway, right? Yeah. He was averaging 118 before that injury sub-game. Uh, and since coming back, 112, 120. Like, he's easily the slam dunk pick like his 51 is just cycling out and that's basically the only reason he's at this price point yeah big fan i think he's yeah. the standout pick even if you extend upwards so we did have coaches asking what if you can afford anyone from callum mills down so mills versus parish okay. i would pick parish i agree i mean mills has the upside Parrish has upside as well, but maybe not quite to the same level coming back from injury and not in a side fighting for finals. Mills has those huge games in him, but he also has the low games in him. He's, if you look over the course of the season and you take out his 214, 
his average would be closer to 105, 110 than the 115, whereas Parrish, like you say, was averaging 118 before he got injured. So yeah, I think that I would have Parrish ahead of Mills as well. And I think I'd have Parrish ahead of Walsh as well at 574, just because they're playing Melbourne and Collingwood in the next two rounds. Yeah, and Walsh, he doesn't seem to have been running out games as much since he came back from injury. Seems to just dominate those first quarters and look like he's going to get a massive score and then most weeks doesn't end up actually capitalizing on that. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd have Parrish ahead of Walsh. What about if you have the cash for Steele or Petrarca? That's quite tough. I think Petrarca's downside risk is higher than Parrish, so I'd take Parrish over Petrarca. Steele versus Parrish is the interesting one. Uh, Steele has Brisbane and Sydney, uh, whereas Parrish has Port and Richmond, so I would still pick Parrish. Okay. I think outside of the top options, like you're talking Neil, Oliver, uh, Miller, Laird, probably have Parrish, like even... I'd tick Parish over Merritt at this stage. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. But I mean, Parish versus Merritt, I think that's a pretty close call because Merritt um, has been back from injury longer. His form's been unbelievable and he was tagged on the weekend and that's probably unlikely to happen in the next two games. So I think Merritt will bounce straight back. I think you've probably undersold Petrarca a little bit just because his downside in the last um, six weeks has been 81 and he's had four games over 130 in that patch. So, yeah, I think that Petrarca probably has a bigger upside than Parrish and I think it would be a pretty close call. I think that I agree that I'd still take Parrish, but I would have Steele ahead of Parrish, I think. Um, I know he's got harder opposition, but they're actually fighting for finals and he's been pretty good since he came back last week was the first time under 100 and he's had a couple over 130 in that patch as well so yeah i do think that i would have steel ahead of parish all right i think we've covered all the crips options pretty comprehensively we're going to to fit in our bonus content being the interview with jp so we'll cut to that now we are lucky enough this week to be joined by the current number one super coacher afl in the entire world JP, coach of the Ray Magoos, welcome, man. Thank you. Nice to be here. How exciting, number one. Uh, this is the first time you've hit number one for the season? Yep, I've been up around two, three, and five for quite a while now, so it's nice to hit the pinnacle. That is brilliant timing. I, um, how'd you go on the weekend? Pretty well. 25.73 or something. That's massive. That's a lot better than me. Beat me by about 160, I think. Tell us a bit about how you got into Supercoach, how long you've been in the game. I've been playing since you used to cut it out of a newspaper and send it in <laughs> and I put Peter Dean in my back lawn and then you'd add the points up manually every week and um, yeah, it came on a Monday, I think, in the paper. Wow. Were you like a teenager at the time? Yeah, would have been a teenager. I won a weekly when I was about 16 or 17. Wow. Have you had success before? I've had a few. I got up into 11th. And then dropped down a little bit, still finished top 100, finished in the 40s another year. Wow. I got up to 35 last year and then just ran out of trades and just capitulated down to about 2K. Wow. But you are seriously backing it up. So you've actually, you've been in the system for a while. You, you know, you know, your game pretty well and you've um, been part of the community for a while. Love it. Yeah. Great game. Great people. That, Twitter that's community awesome and all that. That is awesome. We love it when someone doesn't just fluke the season and take all of our money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <they're not. laughs> well, that uh, if you, it finishes too, don't worry. 
what was special about your team this year? Like, why did it stand out this year? It has been a really different year. Marcus and I both struggled with the start. What did you get right? I think I took a few risks and, um, yeah, they just paid off. Went Georgie Hewitt, Patrick Cripps, Prusy, uh, Will Brody, Cherry, all those guys and just paid off. Um, most of my primos hit their straps straight away. Got good scores coming through and got most of the rookies. So yeah, yeah. it did seem a season where a lot of those cheaper guys at the start of the year really, really paid off this year. Sometimes they don't. Last year they didn't, but this year it really seemed to pay off. I started Wits and Priest in my forward in my rap line, so oh, I had a fair bit of money to spend elsewhere. So Wits is almost the key selection here because we had a lot of those other guys, but Wits really, really would have stood yeah. out for you. Upward. Did really nice. well. Nice. How, yeah. how do you go about um, navigating the boost this year, which is pretty new? You'll be the, if you hold on, be the first winner who's used the boost to maximum effect, presumably. Yeah. And I, I assume you've used all your boost now, so not giving away any IP in the finish. Um, <laughs> Long gone. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking nothing to the bank. <laughs> uh, I used the boost pretty early, to be honest. Um, in previous years, you know, you'd wanted to use a three trade sometimes just to get your team looking right. You can do a lot more with three than two. So I utilize that to get the team right. A couple of early upgrades of primos and good to go. So did that include like correction trade? So like the pre-round three, you probably, you might've used a boost then. Yeah. Jack Crisp didn't want to pick him, booted him. Really? Yep. And Maxi Gold. Wow. He was my third ruck. So I started Prusy on the bench round one. Yeah. Ah. He got 108 the next week. So I got rid of Gorney then. Wow. Because Chris didn't start that badly, did he? I think he was 70 and 80 or something. I just didn't okay. want him in the first place, really. But Jakey yeah. Lloyd going down with yeah. that late injury. Yeah. Might have saved me as well with Jakey. Had a bad year. Saved us as well. We had Jake Lloyd in our team pre that yeah. injury. Definitely saved us. And Chris, <laughs> like, with Chris's form over the last five or six weeks, that has turned out to be huge not having him. Yeah, it made a big difference there. Yeah, most of the leading teams have him, so it's helped out. Wow. I know when you get up top, uh, it, you tend to have to look sort of left and right a little bit in terms of what the other teams are doing. Sort of how much of time do you spend sort of researching the competition versus just determining what you think is best? You, you can look at it way. for 10 hours a day if you really wanted to. Um, <laughs> I just worried about my team, basically what I could put out on the park best each week and gone from there. You know, I'll look at trades this week, see who seconds trading in. I might mirror or I might do something different. So I've had a bit of a look. I've got a little bit of a gap between sort of third and fourth now. Just got to roll with it. Nice. It would be really and tricky that, not to let that affect your decision-making too much. You just have to pick the right player now. That's a big call. So... Not going to be swayed and just go over gut, I think. Are you watching advice for your um, decision-making process? I've never watched a podcast in my life or listened to a podcast. I don't (laughs) do websites. I don't do anything. Listeners, don't listen to that bird. You can (laughs) can get that. (laughs) These guys would be great, I imagine it. And I will listen to it. And I'm sure podcasts get you further. I'd be leading by more one here. <laughs> and, and, you know, realistically, it's a really, really interesting perspective in that sometimes we can all fall into the trap of having too much information and there's too much noise to actually make a decision with. 
and narrowing the amount of information you come in, whether that's like just not listening to too many podcasts or not talking to too many people or whatever can actually really help your decision-making. Is, is that sort of what you were getting at? Oversaturation for sure. I just watch games basically and I look at stats. That's all I'll do and then make a gut call. Look at trends of past years. You can look at every website under the sun and get pressured into something or think, you know, one site thinks it's a good thing. So get on board and then fail, unfortunately. Plenty of them every year. I'm sure you yeah. guys are great with your info. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I do love that. One of yeah. the things that we try and do on our show we've been doing it 14 years now is we've stopped trying to tell people very specifically this is how you should pick but just this is more the framework to make your own decision because you don't really want to be even if you're making the right call making it because you don't really believe it but some website told you you should because it's a game that you have to have your own convictions in so that's cool to hear that yeah you back up pretty good results year to year and and you sort of siphon out a lot of the noise but still get there that's pretty cool yeah any uh so crucial trades that um are really key to your your propelling up the ranks james sisley pretty early in the 300s i think he was or i'm not actually sure what he started at 50 i think before a price rise anyway he was a great in that was me just making trades with crisp and all that stuff i think i actually did caleb daniel I sideways him out too. No mercy. Darcy um, Cameron has been Darcy great. Darcy Cameron was great in. I got in at 370 and I think I cashed out when Bont came forward. So that was wow. a 50 grand upgrade. That is brilliant timing. Yeah. It was basically my starting team. I've traded pretty solid the whole way and no one's really failed except for Darcy Parrish. It's, it's, it's been pretty solid right through. So very happy with it, as you can tell. <laughs> Come on, smile off my face. <laughs> <laughs> so much of that is getting your timing right. Like to getting Darcy Cameron in early, super smart, but then also realizing that he might not be able to keep up that form and then he might have peaked and that there was potentially Brody Grundy on the horizon. I know that he's not coming back now, but Cameron's really faded over the last few weeks. And so actually getting him out uh, mm. would have been a massive, massive advantage, just almost as big an advantage as getting him to begin with. My timing's just been good all year on my trade. So I got rid of Trucy before he was sick. Darcy Cameron, so it's really helped me. It's probably been my best asset for the year, to be honest. I got Lairdy in just before he went nuts. Nice. Yeah. We're on that one. That's been helping went, with that. I went with Ollie Wines, which was a bit of an odd pick, but he's, he's <laughs> formed at the end of the year. He's doing okay. I've got Isaac Heaney looping with Brody. Nice. Things are going pretty well. So was Wines based on looking at previous trends and just that he was really cheap like i know he did get under 500 at one stage i think i got him for 504 he just had a really big second half of the year last year and i was hoping after a brand low year I'd repeat the trend Five, 504 i think i just upgraded someone pretty nonchalantly when people didn't have money for upgrades so happy to do it right wow so how glued are you to the games? Like are you watching every single game? Has, has the consumption gone up or do you normally watch most games anyway? <laughs> I probably watch four or five a week and now to, to about seven or eight. Yeah. Nice. Or just a mini or a, a replay after. I go to end of a local footy, anything to avoid it, play some FIFA. <laughs> yeah. At a beginning, but getting to that stage, right, that it would almost be too hard to watch because you'd be rolling like every 
hit out and possession and is the kick <laughs> going to go to the player and is they going to be spoiled or yeah don't ride it that's why i watch it on delay normally just scores are in game's over you can just you know have a look at your players and see what you want ah, to see nice that's cool i haven't heard somebody do that before we we used to just yeah, takes a lot of aspect and stressing about things and messaging people and all that out of it. Yeah. yeah. How, how many of your mates sort of know or like, do they play as well? Like, oh, I've been in cash leagues with guys for 15, 20 years. Some of them, probably not that long, 15, <laughs> pretty well known around the traps that I like. Super coach. I've tried to win a bit of cash off a few people over the years. So <laughs> make it a bit of fun, you know, bit of banter for the boys. I am in a cash league with you and I messaged you the other day and just said, you did, I, I think I'm going to be in a grand final against you potentially. And you're like, you didn't even notice because you've just been focused <laughs> so much on the 50 K. Yeah, uh, totally. Greedy. I, I've looked at my um, status about 20 times today. I'm going, oh, I might go and see who's leading super coach. <laughs> Can't blame you. So what's the plans for the final two weeks? Um, you are going to be just doing the same system of not watching every game, just trying to enjoy the moment. I've started yeah. looking at Expedia for a holiday. <laughs> <It's not weird. laughs> That's awesome. Not actually booking yet, but definitely considering where you could it's possibly just getting, go. Just getting the details right and finding the right deal. But yep. Nice. Uh, next two weeks, yeah, just going to watch it out. I've got a fair bit of loopholing to do this week by the look of it. So I don't need to go too early. Wow. Is this one of the years that you've first had this amount of depth on your bench to be able to do this amount of loopholing or do you generally get to an extra premium by the end of the year? I'm a loopholer. Yeah. Sometimes up to 24, but then I find you lose it with your Uber primos, which you need to score well. So it's a fine balance. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But I know I normally like to loop someone like a mid forward that you can do DPP with and or a forward ruck or I think I had seven rucks earlier in the year and just moving them in and out every week. Nice. Definitely speaking my language there. <laughs> yeah. Marcus has Himmelberg and got him at like in when he was three fifty and now has a loop that does every line. But Marcus is one of the sad members of the no trade club, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. the old no trade. <laughs> Himmelberg's a good pick though. Just keep waiting for him to go forward, but maybe this week. <laughs> yeah. Any tips for first picked next year? What, have you thought, started thinking about that at all already? Or You can't go past Rory Laird, Clayton Oliver. Yeah, the guns. I don't have too many others. A few Smokies like your Chad Warner or LDU or Lucky Young I like. Mm, nice. There's some good names. Forward line's going to be interesting. Ruck line. I don't think we can do set and forget. Again, can we really? It's gone. Look for a bit of value in the ruck line. If Jackson goes to Fremantle, I think Gorn will be uh, number one on everyone's side. All right. We've taken up enough of your time. We really appreciate you coming on the show with us tonight and getting some insights into what it's like with two weeks to go. We are very envious of that position. Absolutely. Not just because of the cast, just because of like, we've part of, been part of the Supercoach <laughs> community for a long time too. And it's just bragging rights. You can walk around with a t-shirt maybe on forever get a KFC tracksuit. Um, I don't know whether you'll ever wear it in public. A few of my mates have actually told me to go out and buy a Lycra yellow jersey to wear for the next couple of weeks. Just wear it in the room. <laughs> that is awesome. We do like that. But yeah, massive good luck for the last two weeks, mate. From what we understand, 
you're in a reasonable position. Second had what Toby Green go out today. So looks like they've lost their extra primo. So uh, perfect. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for boys. coming in, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Best of Cheers. luck. Thanks, buddy. All right. That was a good chat with JP. Good to get some insights and uh, share some excitement of somebody at the top of the community. It's rare that we have somebody who backs up great results every year. JP's been playing for a really long time, as you just heard. So I'm sure uh, now that we've had him on and get to share in some of that excitement, we'll be cheering hard for him to hold on for the last couple of weeks. 100%. He's our boy. Any nuggets to improve your game that you got out of that, Don? Because yeah, I know you're flagging a little bit. You, you tend to tend to be struggling against me. You know, what did you pick up to help you out? <laughs> Thanks, mate. I think that the interesting thing that I got out of it was a really aggressive trading strategy that focuses on looking for value in, in a place such as a Darcy Cameron and focuses on making that money and distributing that money throughout the team and into other value players and picking like an Ollie Wines. Like, I really think that this year, if I've learned anything, it's that sometimes you focus too much on the points and we need to make sure that we're always focusing on the value because it is a trading game and a a game where you're trying to make money. I really found his comments about trading super aggressively to get extra premiums into your side and using lots of loopholes and things like that to be quite, it could be quite interesting, especially considering he's had consistent results. So I find that really interesting. And yeah, that's probably the main thing I got out of it. What about you? Yeah, I think the main thing for me was I like that he picked players because of his own convictions and I think we do like that on this show. We try and give you lots of different things to think about, but ultimately you have to take some risks. And when people zig, there are some points that you're going to have to pick zag if you want to propel yourself up the ladder. And it's about trying to find the opportune risks relative to what everybody else is doing um, that give you that step up. So sometimes... A player isn't that much more risky or that much worse a pick, but because the consensus lands on a particular way, that player gets overlooked. And I think identifying those opportunities is a recipe for success and it's hard to dodge groupthink. So it's always nice to uh, be reminded of, of what the winners tend to do in getting up to the top. Yeah, I've been trying to follow that advice all year and um, Zig, when you've zagged, but you seem to just copy all my moves anyway, so it makes it a little bit harder for me. <laughs> There's examples that we've done that this season. Merit's a classic example of somebody who'd previously hit ultra premium numbers before. Um, he was pretty heavily discounted and so it was a pretty obvious call for us to recommend bringing in a Merit for people who were looking for a premium that week. and. He wasn't sort of the rolled gold name, so it would have been easier to, you know, take a cut price McRae or something like that at that stage, but just making sure we nail some of those opportunities a, a little bit more. I think you also play differently if you're at the top though. So some of the aggressive moves, like maybe overly aggressive, depending on where you're sitting in the comp. Um, and I think he did say, I think he did say he went up, got up to 35 last year and then faded pretty badly out to 2k by being that ultra aggressive and maybe missing some of those plays and then 
But I, I guess that if you're in a situation to win it, you, you make those moves and it's not going to work every season. But if you keep putting yourself there and keep make, taking the risks, eventually you're going to end up in the situation where you're number one with two weeks to go, I guess. Yeah. If I do hold on this season against you, it's uh, I'm going to claim the uh, Himmelberg zag that's basically done it. So. Oh, 100%. That was one of the best trades you could possibly do over the year. But to get someone at that price that all of a sudden became like a genuine top end premium is was crazy. And you got him two weeks before he scored like 180 odd. Like that is completely season defining. And if you hadn't got so lucky on that one, then you'd probably be <laughs> quite a few hundred points behind. I thought we were ruminating on how it was skillful, but okay, that's fine. All right. Awesome. Great to uh, have JP on. Thanks again, JP. Good luck. Uh, thanks to our community who've been hanging on for a while. Continue to see our Supercoach Coach Leagues and group move up. So uh, good to see that heading into the final two weeks. Good luck for the last two rounds, prelim final weeks. Anyone playing cashies, it's a particularly big week. And finally, big thanks to our Patreons for your continued support. And we're off to record some bonus content for you all. Uh, you didn't mention who you were trading Crips to. I fortunately have a spare premium on my bench. Zero trades. Forgot. Sorry. See you next week, guys. <laughs> See ya.